0: Hello everybody and welcome to the first episode of what is a new series and finally with Sam Vader. This is different to anything I've done before (coughs) on other YouTube or with podcasts. This one I'll be using my passion and love for history to basically give Lessons and stories each week about different historical cultures, figures, artifacts, anything really during history. And the aim of it is to be completely educational for both me and you, as I will do the research for the topic each week. Even if I have background knowledge, I will do research anyway. So I will be learning something, and hopefully, you will be learning something along the way as well. And on certain topics, I will try and get in guests. I have friends who, uh, fancy and like certain topics more than others and i'm more expert in those topics than i am so i will have them on for those certain episodes as well so they can bring in their area of expertise my background in this comes from a pure passion for history that i've had since i was a very young child and also i'm currently doing an archaeology degree so i feel like there is some level of i know what i'm talking about and i know where to find hopefully the facts, and I hope you will enjoy the stories and the tales of history that I will hopefully, in some form, bring to life to you during this series. Now this week I'm going to be talking about my favourite historical figure, uh, to which, as none of you will probably know, is Anne Boleyn. Genuinely my favourite figure in all of history, I think one of the most influential uh, people, not just women in history, who I feel has a bad rap in history. Uh, for her accusations made at the end of her life, which we will obviously get to eventually, but I'm going to go through the life story of Anne Boleyn and discuss her role in history and what she really meant as a historical figure. So the start point is a bit rocky because we don't actually know really when she was born. We know it's somewhere between 1501 and 1507. They are the two most common dates we get for it. And we know it was in July, apparently. Uh, all sources say July, but none can agree on what year it was. However, there are also some sources that do say 1512, however this seems very unlikely considering some of the other events that happen in years very close to that that wouldn't have made any sense whatsoever. So somewhere between 1501 1507, 1507 being the most common one, but there's the working six year, seven year gap between that and she was born to Thomas Boleyn who was at the time the Earl of Wiltshire, and Lady Elizabeth Howard. Uh, She had two siblings Mary who uh, skipping forward a bit ended up becoming one of the mistresses of Anne's future husband Henry VIII and she was the mistress during the time when he was married to Catherine of Aragon. And she also had a brother, George. Mary is definitely, by all records, older than Anne. George was said to have been born in 1504, so depending on the actual date of Anne's birth, he is older or younger. We're not entirely sure of that. And she grew up in Hever Castle in Kent, which is actually really near where I live, which was quite cool to find out. So I knew a lot about her, but I didn't know that. So It's quite cool to know she was close to, to where I live when she grew up. And um, I'm also born in July, so I share a birth month with my favourite historical figure, and I'm going to pretend that she shares the exact day as well, because we don't know that. Uh, but because of her uh, status and her parent status, she actually holds the title, I suppose, of the most noble of Henry VIII's English wives. I believe the others being Jane uh, Seymour, Catherine Howard and uh, Catherine Parr. The others were more... Not common, but she was definitely the most noble of the lot. Then not really much else happened for her until 1513, when she was actually uh, invited to the schoolroom of Margaret of Austria. Uh, Due to her nobility and her father's place as a diplomat in other countries, she then accepted that. But due to her gender, her education was limited. But I say limited. She still had a very good education because of her status, that can't be denied because yes it was limited but she did go there and she learned maths, her family genealogy, grammar, history, reading, spelling and writing which is quite a broad range of things for people and those sort of skills gave people an advantage in those times definitely. And. there's no debate though that yes while she had a limited education she definitely uh, grew up to be one of the most powerful influential and intelligent not just women but people throughout history and that will obviously be explained later on as we go down her chronological timeline however these weren't the only things that she did while at uh, was it, uh margaret's school in austria because she uh She also learned more domestic skills as well, but domestic skills weren't entirely what we see them as today because yes, she did learn embroidery, good manners, which I think is a bit questionable but back then, you know, women were treated like that. She did learn household uh, management, needlework, but she also learned, and these were considered to be domestic skills as well, dancing, needle uh, music, and singing. So she got a more elegant education which... Did actually benefit her much later on in her life as well. But it wasn't all just learning. She she developed a very passionate love for games. Especially card games, chess and dice-based games. Which uh means I've got something in common with Anne as well, because I love card games. Uh I wonder if she would have liked Yu-Gi-Oh!. I'm gonna say yes, but we don't we don't really know that. However, she also learned other skills, so her limited education wasn't as limited as, as you might think as women in later history, but perhaps due to her more noble status, I suppose. But she also learned archery, falconry, which is also something I'd love to learn, so big up Anne, horseback riding and hunting, all things that later on in her life would have definitely helped her uh, gain the attention of certain men, especially one particular, Henry VIII we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves there. So, Anne then lived in the Netherlands uh, in this school from the spring of 1513 until the autumn of 1514 with Margaret of Austria herself, where she made a good impression for herself there with all the people there due to her good manners and her studiousness and her ability and want to learn. Which is something that I feel isn't appreciated enough about her or women in general especially Anne Boleyn because she was definitely like this she wanted to learn she wanted to know more and she gained a good reputation for it at the time <laughs> but then in 1514 she was actually moved to France to be maid of honor to Mary Henry VIII's youngest sister uh in her marriage to Louis Twelfth of France and was later maid of honor to uh Queen Claude Mary's stepdaughter and she actually then stayed in France with uh queen claude for another seven years almost and while there she uh, she did more studying and uh, she actually learned the she studied the french language and also developed interest in art fashion the study of manuscripts literature poetry and more importantly and this definitely shows in her later life religious philosophy <laughs> which is something very intriguing because that then led a lot of scholars to believe that she was very in touch uh, with her inner spirituality and that is what maybe led her to be so strong especially in the waning hours of her life but whilst there she wasn't it wasn't all uh, you know study and no fun because she also learned of French culture their dance uh, their etiquette their art and more importantly she became very versed in the game of courting and uh, flirting with men Which is a thing that all women, especially of a nobility, would have learnt at the time to try and get a worthy husband or marry upwards in the social political ladder. So she learnt these things in France actually and whilst France obviously isn't really known for that anymore because no countries are, France was definitely at the time a very renaissance based country where those things, you know, Paris is a city of romance for a reason I suppose and that does definitely show throughout history and men at the time in France and anyone else who really met her considered her to be absolutely brilliant because she was charming, driven, elegant and graceful and uh, she was said to have a very keen wit and was very opinionated, lively and very passionate which was very good because a lot of men found that attractive but as we will see once again in her later life once you're no longer courting and dating it stops being as much of a big deal which unfortunately doesn't work out for Anne but at this time she's very young this is what between 15-14 and 15-21 so she's in her you know early teens late teens so being you know fun passionate bubbly is quite quite good at the time and she clearly had all these traits that men desired and she was especially good at these games that I mentioned before because it was noted that she was good at playing cards and dice games and gambling and drinking and having banquets and having fun. She was a regular person yes from nobility but she was normal. She wasn't so far stuck up her own backside. She, she liked to play and have fun and it was actually said that she loved a good joke and hearing one and having a laugh with people which is quite normal really. I think that's one thing that Happens in history. You forget that these people were real and they were normal, but they had lives You know, they had jokes. They they had ups and downs These were real people and Anne was definitely one of them because she enjoyed jokes and she often entered into archery Competitions as well and was very passionate into her archery, but one thing that was said about her Was that she was said to have a sharp tongue and a bit of a temper which I mean That's perfectly normal really a sharp tongue just comes with a quick wit and a temper, maybe she just knows that she needed to be treated right. You know, you can't really judge on that too much because there's never any explanation in any records that I've looked at that say what they meant by temper. However, once again, in a later part of this this episode, we'll find out that that temper was a bit fiery. However, that was sort of the end of her time in France because by 1522, she was actually recalled from France to come back to England to marry her cousin uh, from Ireland, James Butler. And the marriage had been arranged to settle a dispute over the ownership of the Earldom of Ormond, because the uh, previous Earl, the 7th Earl of Ormond, had died in 1515, and he left his daughters Margaret Blynn and Anne St. Leger as co-heirs, which was fine. However, Sir Piers Butler, a descendant of the 3rd Earl, disputed this ownership. Whereas, the son of Margaret Boleyn, who was Thomas Boleyn, Anne's father, uh, said, Well, no, this you know belongs to me now. It's mine. I've inherited it. So, Henry VIII, actually, fearful of a dispute leading to a civil war, especially after the civil war that actually led his family to become the uh, current royal monarchy, decided to have Anne brought over to marry James to then settle the dispute. Both families then get ownership. But uh, for unknown reasons uh, in the historical record, the marriage negotiations came to a very sudden halt, the uh, marriage was called off and the, the whole dispute just sort of ended, it was really abrupt no one really knows why and what happened. But that's okay because in the following March, Anne made her debut at the Greencastle pageant alongside Henry's younger sister, Mary, and this was her first entrance into the English courts themselves, and this event established her as one of the most stylish and accomplished women in the court at the time, and because of this, many men were very soon competing for her affections because of all the traits mentioned before. She was very desirable uh, for to all men and was described to be very attractive, not particularly tall, that dark eyes, you know, a fairly olive dark complexion, dark long hair. So she was seen to be very attractive and she had all the traits that made courting perfect for her. So men were very much after her in fact some historians have looked through and said that she was actually described to be the perfect courtier for her singing voice her dancing abilities her intelligence and her how quick-witted she was it made her perfect to so many of these men that they had to have her and had to be with her which as i've said before is fine for courting but later on down the line it does become a problem for our dear Anne Boleyn uh and also later that year, uh, after all this took place, she actually began to call one Henry Percy. And they actually entered into a secret betrothal. Uh, but by all accounts of letters sent between the two and things that have been said, they never actually consummated their relationship. So it's likely that their, their stint together uh, ended with no consummation. They didn't sleep together. However, that all ended anyway, because Percy's father actually dis- disproved the marriage. So it never occurred. It was called off. And after that, well not long after that at all really, Anne Boleyn entered the services of one Catherine of Aragon, who as I'm sure everyone knows, and if you don't that's fine, is the first wife of the infamous King Henry VIII. And it was actually in the year of 1526 though that Henry began his uh, obsessive pursuit over Anne. As said before, his one of his current mistresses was Anne's sister, who was the one who sort of introduced him to her, and piqued his attention. Which is just a bit weird. Uh, Henry VIII was just a pig, apparently, um, and he had the other physical traits to go with it. His offers and advances on her were first rejected all completely. She didn't really want anything to do with him uh, because he was married. And he constantly offered her to become his mistress, which she wasn't having any of that. Especially as her sister was one as well, um, so she kept refusing. And actually, there was a letter uh, I, I saw where he he sent to her, basically saying, "Look, if you become my mistress, you'll be my only mistress. I'll be completely devoted to you as my mistress." Um, but uh, she refused because you know she had some pride, saying that she would only share his bed in marriage. Not as his mistress, which you know, good for her. She she knew what she wanted, and she wasn't going to be played for a fool. Uh, however, within a year of the courting happening, he did end up proposing marriage, and she did accept the proposal. However, it is hotly debated whether a few threats to her family were were thrown in uh, towards you know about ruining her family if she didn't accept. So. That's a bit of a hot debate going on as to whether she accepted completely of free will. Uh, However, true to her word, she did refuse to sleep with him until marriage, and as seen in other letters between the two of them, uh, she did not sleep with the man until, until they were married, although it is suggested that maybe, maybe, it did happen a few weeks before marriage, but she never, she didn't sleep with him for years until it was definitely confirmed that they, the two of them were to be married. And Anne, therefore, uh, starting to yield to his embraces, did, however, state, and this was one of the things in the letters saying that she would only ever completely yield to his embraces once she was queen. And because of this she then did end up taking her place at Henry's side in policy and state but not yet in bed until she would marry him so there was a stint between sort of 1527 and then 1533 when they were eventually married that she was by him in policy stay and place she was his partner but not in bed not until she uh, got the marriage and good for her because she was not to be played for a fool uh which Unfortunately none of this did work out for her, but you know this was what then put into motion the famous English reformation and the big breakaway from the Catholic Church to become the Church of England, something which I won't go into too much detail with here purely because that will probably get its own episode and this is focused mainly on the events and life of Anne Boleyn. So by 1528 there was a sweating sickness that actually uh, plagued the country and Anne Anne did did catch this this sickness and became very, very ill. And she retreated back to Hever Castle in Kent, where she grew up. But Henry made sure to actually send some of his top physicians to care for her. And fortunately, not long after, she did recover and uh, was very healthy and safe and sound, at least for the time being. Uh, But by 1531, while struggling to get an annulment, Henry had actually then, by this point, had enough of Catherine of Aragon and banished her from the courts completely and her rooms were given to Anne Boleyn, however because of this, public opinion of Anne wasn't great at the time, in fact there was an instant where she was at a theatre, or I think having food, I can't remember which one, I didn't write that down annoyingly, and she was almost basically attacked by a big mob of people but just managed to escape. Uh, so public opinion of her wasn't great at this time because she was. St- Even at this point seen as the temptress that stole the King's heart, which is the unfortunate reputation she has been given in history, which I'm hoping I'll prove I am and will prove wrong here. But despite uh, still not currently being married, Henry did grant her a great deal of power. In fact, she had major influence over the courts of England and was trusted to grant petitions and receive diplomats on behalf of the king. In fact, an ambassador from Milan at the time stated that it was actually essential to have her approval if you were to have any dealings with the English government. Now, I think that says a lot about this woman in power and the fact that if you wanted to get anything done with the English government at the time and the English king, you had to get a stamp of approval first. The government and the king would not even consider listening to you if you did not have the approval of Anne Boleyn. Now, that is a woman who is so powerful and influential. And unfortunately, she isn't remembered for that. She's remembered as as the temptress slut that stole the king and and uh, committed treason, apparently, and uh, adultery, which, which wasn't true. She was just a very powerful woman. And... Uh, by the 14th of November 1532, uh, Henry and Ma- Anne did in fact marry in secret, and soon after Anne fell pregnant. And to legalise the first marriage, because it wasn't seen as legal, because it was all secret and everything, uh, they had a second marriage with a private wedding and service on the 25th of January 1533. So she was now officially married to the king. And on the 23rd of May 1533, the marriage of Henry and Catherine was declared invalid by Thomas Cramer, who was indeed, indeed a good friend of Anne and was now put up in the head of the, uh, religious, uh, I was say monarchy, the religious group because of the English Reformation. He was in a very high place And five days later, on the 28th of May 1533, the marriage of Henry and Anne was declared valid and good also by Thomas. So, she was now officially married to the King. And not long after, on the 1st of June 1533, Anne was officially crowned Queen Consort of England at Westminster Abbey in a very, very, very grand ceremony. And There was something weird about her coronation, however, not bad weird, very good weird. She was actually crowned with the crown of Saint Edward, which had previously only been used to crown the official reigning monarch, so the official blood king or queen. So the fact that this was placed on the head of Anne Boleyn showed that she had very, very special treatment and she was viewed very highly by the king. In fact, many historians make the suggestion that after Jane Seymour, Anne Boleyn may have actually been Henry's second favourite of his wives, which makes her downfall even more tragic, really. But we will get to that in time. Another reason why they reckon she may have been given such a special crown is because she was obviously pregnant by this time, and as a way of good faith, and you know, this is completely legal, it's within wedlock, this child will not be a bastard, it will be a true heir. She was given this amazing honour. After her coronation, she then went to take residence in Greenwich Palace to prepare for the birth of her child. and That child was born on the 7th of September 1533 and was christened Elizabeth. But this was a bit of a shock because all physicians and astrologers, barring one in Henry's court, had predicted the birth of a male. So this was meant to be the grand heir. Invitations to the baptism ceremony were already written with the word Prince. A jousting ceremony was already being set up because that was actually the way to celebrate the birth of an heir, so a lot of things had to be cancelled and changed because the predictions were wrong. However, Elizabeth was, as I say, baptised and was the legitimate son of the king and was moved to Hatfield Castle where Anne regularly went to visit her child. Uh, Coincidentally enough, Mary, the daughter of Catherine of Aragon, was also moved there, uh, but they were kept separate because Anne was worried that Mary would uh, take a disliking to Elizabeth due to the complications with Mary's mother and Anne taking her place, basically. Um, And whilst the marriage of Henry and Anne was very happy for a while, it started to deteriorate for a bit, maybe in uh, 1534, where, as uh, discussed before, her wit and intelligence and sharpness and her opinionated uh, demeanor was very good for courting it wasn't seen as wife material at the time which i find very contradictory when you want to court a woman or have a woman as a mistress it's great for her to be opinionated and free-willed but as soon as you want her married she has to silence and that that's frankly wrong and where women were mistreated in history but her refusing to give up on who she is was it started to create some tension between her and the King. In fact, one thing uh, some of the King's advisors heard her say was described as something that you wouldn't even say to a dog, uh, and I'm sure all she did was tell someone the truth. Which, that's how history works, I suppose. Uh, but unfortunately for Anne, her first miscarriage came in the December of 1534, where after that, Henry actually began to start discussing the idea of divorcing her with Thomas Cramer. Uh, but without the need to return to Catherine. But fortunately for Anne at this time, uh, the couple reconciled and actually spent the summer of 1535 very happy together, and Anne once again fell pregnant. In early 1536, I believe it was January the 8th, Anne and Henry heard news of Catherine of Aragon's death, and the next day they both wore yellow, which is a very highly contended uh, sorry pardon me, point in history because whilst in England yellow is a colour associated with celebration and happiness in Spain yellow is actually a colour of mourning along with black so some historians debate that what they were doing was mourning Catherine of Aragon's death other historians debate that they were in fact celebrating her death and basically taking the piss out of the two of them Uh, out of her, sorry, Uh, now that she had died. Um, However, the next point I'm about to suggest maybe says that they were, in fact, well, at least Anne was mourning. We can't speak for Henry because he was a tyrant and not a very nice person whatsoever, really. Um, So, But this next point suggests that Anne actually tried to reconcile with Mary, Catherine's daughter, after her mother's death, but uh, Mary refused any attempt to make good and make up after this and this is potentially due to rumours circulating that it had actually been Anne that killed off Catherine via poisoning however this is a very unlikely in modern historic because the autopsy was described as her having a blackened heart which is where the opinions and rumours that she had been poisoned came from but what modern historians and scientists are beginning to suggest is that that was in fact a rare form of heart cancer that obviously at the time physicians no one would have known about that so people would have thought that it was some form of uh, poisoning when really she uh, likely died of an illness that they didn't know of at the time which was unfortunate and that did lead to another division in opinion of Anne Boleyn because had she now killed the previous queen consort likelihood is no, but at the time they wouldn't have known any better, unfortunately for our dearly beloved Queen of England. Uh, however, at this point, Anne began, uh, became very concerned that if she didn't produce a son, Henry would divorce her, so she began to worry and stress a lot, and obviously she was with child at this time, and it was actually around this time that uh, Henry began to court Jane Seymour as a mistress, who as we all know did end up succeeding our dear Anne in the end and actually one thing that did, did really set off Anne in a fit of rage that I suppose shows the temper that was mentioned earlier was within Anne's presence and this is where really I suppose he's taking the piss here Henry within Anne's presence he gifted Jane a locket uh, that had a picture of him in it and she kept joyfully closing it and opening it and looking at the picture of him And this sent Anne into such a rage that she actually ran up and ripped the locket off Jane Seymour's neck. Apparently she did it so violently that it caused her own fingers to bleed quite badly uh, due to the force that she applied to uh, remove this locket from Jane Seymour's neck. Which shows that Henry is still a bit of a dick at this point because uh, he's definitely not treating any of his wives right at this point uh and and Anne is getting the short end of the stick here and can we also point out just sort of on the record that for, i'm sure most of you people who are listening know this the gender of the baby is decided by the man so this is all henry's fault and i'll also I'd explain that the need for an heir also relates to civil war because obviously the country fell into civil war before this uh because there was no successful heir so you had the battle of uh the Roses, the War of the Roses, sorry, Battle of Bosworth, and that's actually how Henry's family came into power, by winning that war. So the reason Henry was so desperate for a son, was to avoid such civil war and conflict again. However, obviously it's completely his fault that he's not having a, a son, and he's not helping himself by treating his wives like shit. But the problem is at the time, you couldn't question the king, he could get away with whatever, so... Bob's drunk, unfortunately. Anyway, uh, just before... Uh, anne was due to have her child henry was in a jousting competition and was actually knocked unconscious and he actually remained unconscious for two hours and these two hours were very stressful two hours for Anne as she was worried her husband was dead uh because he wasn't responding to anything two hours of complete unconsciousness for the king at the time and uh this was believed to actually uh, cause her later miscarriage with this with this final pregnancy uh another reason that she may have uh, had this miscarriage also caused by stress was her walking in on henry with jane seymour on his lap sort of bouncing her up and down and giggling and being very playful and flirty together to which that's also sent her into a bit of a rage in which she shouted and screamed towards the king and her current uh his current mistress uh and yes, this did this, cause a miscarriage. And this miscarriage was, unfortunately, of a boy. And most historians quote this as saying this was the miscarriage of her saviour. Because if she'd had this boy, Henry probably would have lost interest in Jane and had Anne because she'd given him the air he wanted. But unfortunately, the stress of Henry's unconscious state a, a couple of days prior and walking in on Henry and Jane, flirting and being very close to each other, caused this miscarriage. And actually, she was rumoured to have had two stillborn babies between the birth of Elizabeth and this miscarriage. So that is three three, three children that could have all potentially have been male. This last one definitely was that unfortunately she died in a And that trauma obviously was terrible for her as well. The stress of being with Henry must have been immense because she was constantly desperate to have an heir and keep his affections when he was running off with all these mistresses. So I can't imagine her life was easy at times. Uh, It was after this miscarriage though that Henry actually started claims that he had been tricked into marriage with Anne by the way of lies and spells which leans into how history uh, views her as a temptress and this evil woman which wasn't true he, he kept pursuing her until she said yes it wasn't the other way around she kept bloody rejecting him for good reason and uh, it's also said that thomas cromwell began to orchestrate her downfall as well when he was actually said to have been one of her enemies and, and saw her as a powerful threat to him and his power as he she sort of opposed some of his policies and what he wanted to bring in with his power so it's potential that he may have spoken to the king and began the orchestration of her downfall by spinning some rumors uh and these rumors incu- uh, included uh accusations of adultery and treason against the crown which quite frankly didn't happen but uh this was just the way to get rid of her clearly four men were actually accused of being her lovers one of which was her brother george who obviously denied all charges as did anne and uh, by may of 1536 anne was taken to the tower of london where actually she begged upon arrival to know what the charges against her were because she hadn't been told what what she had done and actually it was in her last letter to henry sent on the 6th of may that year that she said i'm going to read out the whole letter now sir your Grace's displeasure and my imprisonment are things so strange unto me as what to write or what to excuse i am altogether ignorant whereas you send unto me willing me to confess a truth and so obtain your favor by such a one whom you know to be my ancient professed enemy, I no sooner received this message by him that I rightly conceived your meaning, and if, as you say, confessing a truth indeed may produce, procure my safety, I shall with all willingness and duty perform your demand. But let not your grace ever imagine that your poor wife will ever be brought to acknowledge a fault, where not so much as a thought thereof proceed. As to speak a truth, never prince had wife more loyal in all duty and in all their true affection than you have ever found in Anne with which name and place i could willingly have contended myself if god and your grace's pleasure had been so pleased neither did i at any time so far forget myself in exal- exaltation or received queenship but when i always looked for such an alteration as now i find for the ground of my Perfume being on no surer foundation than your grace's fancy, the least alteration I knew was fit and sufficient to draw that fancy to some other object. You have chosen me from a lower state to be your queen and companion, far beyond my desert or desire. If then you find found me worthy of such an honour, good your grace, let not any light fancy or bad counsel of mine enemies withdraw your princely favour from me. Neither let that stain, that unworthy stain of a disloyal heart toward your good grace, ever cast so foul a blot on your most dutiful wife and the infant princess of your daughter. That's just a brief extract of Anne Boleyn's letter to Henry. Uh, the full one is very long and it goes on for a bit but basically what she's saying there is you know what exactly have i done wrong why are you believing the lies and accusations that my enemy thomas uh cromwell is sort of putting against me and claiming that i've done when when i have not you know you chose me why why would you now believe his lies that would put a blot on our relationship she's basically at that point saying i've done nothing wrong he's set me up he has lied to you he has lied to and he's, tr- he's my enemy, he's just trying to get me out of the way. However unfortunately this, this final plea for her life I suppose fell on deaf ears as the king refused to believe that. Most likely because he also saw Anne as a threat. He clearly for a while wanted to get rid of her at this point. Divorce was an option, but I think someone that powerful, that much influence in the courts, he couldn't just divorce her, he needed to find a different way to get rid of her, which is probably where, where this comes in. If you do want to find the full letter, I'm sure I can find a way to post that somewhere on social media or on a page, maybe King's Eyes page, who knows, but that's basically her letter saying, what have I done wrong? Why are you believing the lies of my enemy over your faithful and dutiful wife? which she's right to say because the accusations were probably, well they weren't probably, they were preposterous, she had plotted no treason and for all evidence, there was no evidence that she committed adultery but they believed Thomas Cromwell and the other conspirators I suppose if that's what you wanted, wanted to call them. Uh, Of all the men accused of being her lovers, only one pleaded guilty, but it is said that he uh, was put through extreme torture until he admitted that he was guilty, so this makes it look like, and there was another one that I think was bribed slightly, but the rest of them really just yes there was one that was bribed to say that and he was promised freedom he was allowed three the four that were then accused one was tortured to admit it and the others all pleaded innocence rightly so and uh the men were sentenced to be hung drawn and quartered unfortunately Anne was then tried in front of a jury of 27 peers and was herself unfortunately found guilty of adultery incest because obviously she apparently slept with her brother and uh, treason against the crown and by law because the men were obviously accused of the same thing men under that circumstances were to be sentenced to be hunger and quartered by law a woman would then be sentenced to burn alive which I'm not sure which is worse uh, I don't want to experience either but it, it's horrible either way and uh, ironically Enough, she was actually one of the the person who made the final judgment and announced that was actually Henry Percy, the man she was once once betrothed to. Um, however, he did collapse after making the final judgment. suggests there was some form of pressure on him, and he probably fainted and collapsed after that. due to uh, due to the pressure he was under to accuse Anne Boleyn, who was once someone he loved, and maybe still a friend but she was, regardless, seen by a unanimous vote of 27 peers in a jury to be guilty and sentenced to be burned alive, despite very little and very unconvincing evidence against her. The men were all executed on the 17th of May 1536 by hanging, drawn and quartered. But Henry made special changes to Anne's sentence, he didn't think that burning her alive was was right for whatever reason, but you know, charging her with treason and killing her, either way, was fine. So he uh, he sentenced her to beheading, but he decided that she would not be beheaded by common acts because she was a queen and above that. So he sent for a mastered swordsman in what I can only describe as a twisted act of mercy to make it uh, a swifter end and a cleaner one, so she was not in pain for as often as much, sorry, uh, which as I say, is very perverted and twisted. Twisted act of mercy, considering he has sentenced an innocent woman to death. Whether this is due to him actually believing she did those things or not, because you could make the argument that Henry himself had been convinced by people that she had done it or pressured into killing her by these other powerful people, but that's not likely because he's king maybe he he was convinced and he didn't believe it himself but was convinced by these other people but it's also said because of obviously the head injury he suffered from the jousting accident that could have caused a severe change in character but one way or another he he definitely i think was conspiring against her here as well and needed her out of the way so he could marry jane that didn't need her alive to continue her powerful influence that she had over the people of england because she was so intelligent and powerful the classic case of a powerful man fearing a powerful woman in history and then ruining her reputation that we'll discuss that more in a bit we have a little more to her story um she was actually said to in her final moments before before being executed to have been in fairly decent spirits. In fact, she was said to have made a joke to her handmaidens that fortunately she had a large neck so that the the, uh, the executioner wouldn't miss. And it's things like that that show that she she was definitely a very brave woman, the fact that she faced her death with, with a joke, quite frankly, uh, <clears throat> trying to lift other people's spirits. And uh, <clears throat> But this is depressingly thought to be because that uh, she was just hoping that her suffering would finally end in death because she had clearly been through a lot a lot of trauma with her marriage to Henry, uh, the way she'd been treated and everything so from her entire marriage to Henry to her final uh, acts of being accused of treason and whatnot I think she she at that point sadly just wanted her suffering to end so uh, was willing to accept death with a smile but still cracked a joke which is the mark of a very brave and very very influential woman that we shouldn't forget uh we're almost unfortunately at the end of of poor Anne's story and actually she was executed on the 19th of may 1536 which as of recording this was a few days ago and i remember me and my friend saffron celebrated the for well i say celebrated we paid homage on the 484th anniversary of her death because that's how many years it's been um you know paying tribute to her i watched the musical six which is brilliant uh but yes she was executed 19th of may 1536 north of the white tower within the grounds of the tower of london which is different to most people who get executed on tower hill this was more different than other there are many reasons why people believe this was done no one's entirely sure but she was executed there and her head was removed from her shoulders with one swift swing of the sword so she wasn't really in pain it was very quick um but her final confession which she actually made to thomas Cramer, who was her friend and she requested him to be who heard her final confession and actually her final confession was simply her stating her innocent innocence before god and uh, Later that day Thomas Cramer was found in a terrible state weeping uncontrollably, uh, claiming that she was now in heaven, clearly believing her innocence but being unable to save his friend because he just didn't have the power to influence the king and the courts like other people did. Her final resting place is in the Saint Peter Advincula i can't say the last bit a chapel within the tower of london i have been there actually i went on a private tour of the tower of london once uh, to see the changing of the key ceremony a brilliant experience i will talk about that in another episode in more detail Um, i've been there and she's now uh there's a memorial i suppose and her resting place is carved into the marble floor and you can see where anne boleyn now rests uh, that was found uh, during renovations made during the reign of Queen Victoria, they found her skeleton and decided to mark where she rests. So you can now go to the final resting place of the dear Anne Boleyn. And that is the sad, very sad end to to her story, unfortunately. It didn't end work well for, for Anne Boleyn. But You know, I think she, without a doubt, I'd say she's my favourite person in history, my favourite historical figure. And this story goes to show how brave, how influential, how intelligent, how funny, how witty she was. She was a, a real human being and in the end it was her power and influence and how that threatened men, how that threatened other men and they were scared of this woman that probably and very likely led to her untimely downfall and if you go by her age being 1507 for example when she first was approached by king henry the eighth she would have only been 19 and i think that makes it that when when she died she would have only been 29 if you go by 1501 that is what six years earlier so she would have been 30 35 then and uh, 25 when she met henry eighth either way it's still very young but considering 1507 is the most uh, agreed upon date of of her birth year of her sorry 19 and 29 she was very young when when she was uh, pressured into marrying henry and uh, very young when she met her untimely untimely end and as i say very sadly through history she's now remembered as a temptress slut because of the accusations made by by henry and how she lied and put spells on him to to marry her and and all the accusations made that led to her execution but really she was none of those things she was just a powerful kind and funny woman who had opinions and men didn't like that and when henry had had enough he he decided to get rid of her permanently so that she she couldn't have any more have any more influence over over the english courts and that's that's the tragedy of anne boleyn the fact that she's not remembered for what she should be—being a brave, powerful, influential woman that people should look up to—she's remembered as a as a villain and a criminal. When she was in fact a brilliant human being, uh, who who was just fantastic, and that is going to uh, that's going to end the first episode. Of, and finally, thank you so much everyone for listening, I really hope you enjoyed and you look forward to the next episode. And finally, I'll speak to you next week.